Friends, as we prepare to hear today's sermon, I invite you to join me in prayer. Let us pray together. Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for your presence with us at all times. We thank you that as we come around your word that you promise to open our hearts and minds, and that is our prayer this day, that you will help us uh, to know your way, that you will equip us to follow faithfully uh, after you and follow the life-giving path that you have set before us. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Growing up, my father was a fanatic about our yard, and therefore my brother and I and my mother, we were kind of fanatics as well. We lived in a rural area outside of Houston in a subdivision, and we had about two acres. There were a lot of trees, 128 trees to be exact, and just wonder with me how many of those trees dropped pecans or leaves or branches from time to time. The answer is 128. Also, imagine with me how many of those trees my father required my brother and me to weed eat around. Yeah, you got it, 128. We were a bit uh, fanatics about our yard because our dad was a fanatic about his yard and we were too young to really say anything different. The reason this memory came back to me so vividly in the last week is I was thinking about today's scripture passage, and I was thinking about a time when our family was particularly unified about a cause, particularly uh, behind the idea of getting something accomplished, the same thing accomplished. Now, the motivations might, be, might have been a bit differently. My brother and I wanted to hop back on our bikes. We wanted to go to the pool. We wanted to do something different then we'd eat around the trees and pick up branches. Be that as it may, the end of a long Saturday of hard work together when we would sit on our back porch and we would survey the work that we'd done over a glass of tea or a Coke or something, there was a great amount of satisfaction. As we thought about what we had accomplished together, there was a spirit of unity. It was good. It was good and pleasant. So today, I want to share with you the reading from uh, Psalm 133, which speaks of unity and how good and pleasant this gift is from God. I invite you now to hear and listen, listen and read that by faith you may receive God's word for you today. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here we have a psalm that is brimming with possibilities, even in the face of perceived um, impossibilities. The unity this psalm calls for is between Democrats and Republicans. It's between mask wearers and non-mask wearers. It is between Christians and Muslims. It's between contemporary worshipers and traditional worshipers. It's between Palestinians and Israelis. Yes, how good and pleasant it is when kindred 
live together in unity. The main message of this psalm is that unity or full harmony is possible because the source of that unity flows from above with the promise of life forevermore. Full harmony seems so unlikely that the writer turns to a couple of similes to describe it. Both similes emphasize the abundance that accompanies unity. First, unity is like oil. And this is no ordinary oil, but precious oil. The Hebrew word for precious is the same word translated as good in the first verse. This is also the same word used for good all throughout Genesis 1, when the creator is creating the universe and calls it good. According to Professor Shauna Hannon, whether this is the oil used to anoint a high priest in a liturgical act or the the oil ritually used on guests as a sign of hospitality, the point is abundance. We are not talking about a little dab of oil that a pastor places on the forehead of a worshiper. Rather, this is anointing is extravagant. I cannot help but think of that image of Mary at Jesus' feet and the, the perfume, the nard that, that was used so plentifully and the, the outcry from those around who wondered how something so expensive, so costly could be used so graciously and in such uh, quantity. There is so much oil used that it runs down onto the beard of the anointed one, Aaron, whose beard ran down to the hem of his robe. That is a lot of oil. It is extravagant. It was probably messy. Which comes, you know, come to think of it, as we work toward unity, that is not always a clean business. A lot of times it can be messy. And oil is not the only thing running down. When we look at the next simile in this passage, the second one compares unity to the dew that runs down from Mount Hermon in order to quench the thirsty land. I don't know about you, but when I think of dew, I just think of, yeah, it can get your shoes wet as you walk across uh, grass but I don't think about dew flowing, not, not to that degree. But extravagantly, once again, the dew runs down from Mount Hermon all the way to Zion. And this is near to impossible. If you look at a map of that time in history, you can see that Mount Hermon and Zion are more than 200 miles apart. So it's really mind-blowing to think that dew is going to flow and that dew is going to flow from that point to point B, from Mount, from Mount Heron to Zion. But even so, the linking of these two places suggests that for Israel, no limit was being set to who constitutes the kindred of God. No limit was being placed on the extravagance that God offers what speaks to me here is there seems to be no limit to who might be considered part of God's kingdom, part of God's family, part of God's kindred. Professor Hannon notes that there has been some disagreement over the reference to kindred. 
Is it literally and only blood siblings? Is it extended family? Is it is those who God has brought together? Is it those who profess belief in God? Ultimately, the psalm suggests that there are no boundaries, none, to who kindred are. We are all connected as God's beloved, as God's created. Both oil and water are flowing in this psalm, spread beyond their points of origin. Living together in full harmony is good and pleasant because it no longer is scarce. It is limited. It flows as it will. It spreads beyond its point of origin. Some of you know that I began a doctoral program this summer at Perkins School of Theology at Southern Methodist University, and as a part of one of my classes, I had a group project where we were taking up the the topic of racism and the church and how the church addresses the uh, issue of racism. As we proceeded with our group project, we uh, invited the Reverend Richie Butler, who is uh, recently the new pastor of St. John's Community United Methodist Church in South Dallas. He is no stranger to many of us here at Preston Hollow. He's a friend to many. And Richie spent some time with us over Zoom uh, to have a conversation about um, his vision for creating unity in the community. And this has been part of his life's work. He envisions healing the community, uh, and particularly around the matter of racism and race relations. He believes in it so much that he envisioned Project Unity, which again is quite familiar to many at Preston Hollow as we have hosted an event here called Together We Dine. That is an aspect of Prospect Project Unity, which uh, is really kind of the central focus. It gives opportunity for people to come together over a meal, uh, people who, um, who have had different life experiences, uh, particularly around race and race relations, and it gives them the opportunity to talk with one another, to share openly and without judgment their experiences of race and their background. I have participated in such a group as this, And I know many of you have as well, and I want to commend it to you. One of the things that comes out of that is the opportunity to maintain contact with those that you share that meal with. Most likely, you've not met the majority of the people around the table. And likely, if you continue, you will grow with one another and you will become concerned about issues and matters and struggles you will have the opportunity and perhaps take the opportunity to re-examine your own life experiences and therefore your own life assumptions. There are a lot of other aspects of Project Unity that um, have marked the landscape of our lives uh, in our community here. Young people do Together We Ball. We have Together together We Sing. Uh, There are all kinds of uh, ways that uh, Reverend Butler encourages the community to engage with one another, uh, to seek after unity, because it is good and pleasant. So what might unity be like in our own time and place? First and foremost, to follow the example, it very well might be a group of unlikely dining companions engaged in deep conversation 
and, and honest sharing about where they come from and where they hope to go. It's also like a food drive in the middle of a pandemic where the congregation here is invited to come and share what they have to make a difference, a basic difference in the lives of others, or a school supply sharing. It's like our loaves and fishes matching campaign, where even though we are apart, we're invited and challenged to give, to make a difference for those who are in great need and who are more susceptible to needs at this time as we are separated. The tornado relief that we experienced as a community of faith last October continues to be in the forefront of our minds as an example to so many of us of what it means to be the church and what it means to be the wider community. I continue to think about standing there on the front lines of cars driving up and people telling us what faith community they represent or perhaps no faith community but out of a, a strong desire to do something good for their common, for their fellow human being, they came and they offered their help and their care in a spirit of unity. And friends, as one of the areas of my responsibility of ministry here at Preston Hollow, I am engaged in but also aware of the deep kinds of care that are happening here, that continue to happen here, not only are we endeavoring to ensure that our church members are connected with the church, but we are helping to facilitate that you all are connecting with one another because we need each other. We need to be unified at such times as this, especially. Well, unity can look different depending on the circumstances. Take, for example, one of my favorite movies of all time. One of the lead characters, Malin, has just lost her daughter, Shelby, uh, after fighting cancer for some time, and she and her friends are at the cemetery to pay their final respects and to bury her daughter. And her friends try their best to help her feel better in her time of need. Here's a clip from Steel Magnolias. Shelby was right. This is a brown football. Oh, oh honey, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine! <laughs> I can jog all the way to Texas and back, but my daughter can't. She never could. Good. I'm so mad, I don't know what to do. I want to know why. I want to know why Shelby's life is over. I want to know how that baby will ever know how wonderful his mother was. Will he ever know what she went through for him? Oh, God, I want to know why! supposed to happen this way. I'm supposed to go first. I've always been ready to go first. I, I don't think I can take this. I, I don't think I can take this. I, I just want to hit somebody until they feel as bad as I do. I just want to hit something. I want to hit it hard. Here. Hit this. Go ahead, Malin. Slop her. Are you crazy? Hannah, are you high, Clary? Clary, have you lost your mind? We'll sell T-shirts saying I slapped Weezer Boudreau. Hannah! Miss Clary, enough! Weezer, this is your chance to do something for your fellow man. Oh. Knock her lights out, Melissa. Let go of me! 
Malian, you just missed a chance of a lifetime. Half a chickapin parish should give the eye teeth to take a whack of weezer. <laughs> so Clarice's method might have been a bit off, but her heart was in the right place. What the scene shows me is on this occasion how we need one another. They needed one another. We need to laugh together. We need to cry together. We need to support one another in unity. Left to our own devices, being alone, separated from others most of the time, what can lead to disharmony or disunity or feelings that it is us against the world. Clarice's motives, yeah, they, they were good, but her method lacked a bit. And we're not always perfect in our methods either. But we are challenged and we're encouraged to try to help each other, to try to be with each other. After all, it's much easier to be behind a screen, to hold a device, to take those opportunities to really say what we think. And sometimes that posture ends up hurting other people. Often it can. It's a lot harder for us to be face-to-face -face with people and to say what we really think and to receive their feedback and to bear the burdens with each other. But that's what being unified, that's what being a community of faith is all about, is to share those burdens and to speak the truth in love. Twelve-year-old Tilly Brimehorst lost her grandfather this year. She called him Papa, and she lost him in May to the coronavirus. About a month ago, I heard the Daily podcast from the New York Times, and Tilly shared in her own words about how she's dealing with this great loss in her life. She described the memory of going up to the roof of her papa's house with him. They would lie on their backs on blankets and look up at the stars, and they would spend that time, just the two of them, talking with each other and talking about the universe. She said that is a special memory for her, and then she shared that she often would do that before her parents knew anything about it. So I imagine that that was an ever sweeter memory for her as she thought back on it. Her papa had traveled to the Holy Land with his wife and their church group this last spring. He was a pastor, and he was leading this group, and as he returned in early March, he started showing symptoms of the virus, and soon he became sick enough to where he was hospitalized. Tilly shared that her mom gave her one of her papa's t-shirts, and she started to sleep in it as a nightgown. She said it felt like a big hug from him, and it became more and more meaningful to her as he became sicker and eventually passed away. She could not be with him during the time that he was hospitalized, and so this was a way for her to be close to him. She talked about feeling many emotions during this time, including both sadness and happiness. When she was asked to describe these two feelings, she said sadness is deeper, and it's a big, big emotion. She said happiness can be big, but not as much as sadness. Sadness is like an ocean filled with nothing. This 12-year-old said, It helps me to talk about my papa and to have others express their emotions so that I know that what I am feeling is to be expected. 
you don't have to be too far along in life to know the importance of human contact, to have an appreciation for the unity of spirit, even if we don't all name it that. It is good to share these burdens with others, good and pleasant. Tilly's sentiments echo those of participants in the Good Grief support group that we recently completed here at Preston Hollow. Even over Zoom, it was good to be reminded that those grieving the loss of a loved one are not doing so alone. It was good and pleasant to hear one another's voices and to see one another's faces. Others can appreciate the challenges that come with sorrow in an empty chair or the lack of someone's voice or their laughter that once used to fill the room. It is good to share these burdens with others. The pandemic has done little to help in the cause for unity. We've been advised to keep our distance, to wear our masks. In fact, it took no time at all for the term socially distancing to become a household phrase. At the same time, this time of pandemic has done some amazing things. For instance, we know that there are those of you who are worshiping with us from all over the place, from all over the world even. That is a gift. I know of families that have come together uh, on a more regular basis, and they've seen one another's faces and they've heard one another's voices in a more regular way than they would have done in the past, because in the past, often we would think that we needed to always be in person in order to relate with one another. Friends, the same way. There are now virtual book groups and virtual happy hours and different kinds of opportunities that we have to just simply be with one another. You know that uh, program that I started this summer that I mentioned a moment ago, um, it was it was weird because everything was online. So I've never met my fellow students or even my professors in person, but we did it online and we accomplished a goal and we did it together. None of this replaces the importance of being together, of human contact. As much as ever, we miss being with you here at the church, in the sanctuary, in Founders Hall, in the atrium, in the classroom, on the playing field, in the youth house, all of it. But God has provided us the gift of technology which allows us to continue to find ways to embody a spirit of unity. This whole psalm runs from living in harmony to God's blessing, as if to say it all comes down to this. God's blessing is life forevermore whatever that holds and whatever that looks like. God is with us in that life as well. Full harmony is somehow connected to life and blessing from God. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. God desires us to live in harmony with one another, with a unity of spirit, 
At the same time, God leaves it in our hands how to pursue that, how to nurture that, or to choose not to do those things. But as we choose a spirit of unity, know that it can be messy, but that God is with us and God leads us every step of the way. May it be so. All thanks be to God. Amen.